I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Let's hang out. Hey everyone, welcome back to Let's Hang Out. I'm Ellie Brigida. And I'm Lee Holmes Foster, and here's what's happening this week. This week in the Lesdom. This week in the Lesdom is a place where we can touch base every episode about things going on with the podcast or otherwise. Some of you may notice. Today's this week is a little bit different. So I had to travel for work last week. I was out of town all week. Ellie and I didn't record, which means we didn't record our This Week in the Lesdom in advance. And so I have roped in a special guest to join me for This Week in the Lesdom. Do you want to say hi? Hello. <laughs> Kelsey, <laughs> Kelsey's going to do our This Week with me. So do you want, you can take it away. You can take our first, our first point here. All right, everyone. So. My wife is leaving me for a full week with our two kids in September, you may know. But if you don't, they're going on a trip to Croatia, and you can join them. There are five spots left and one new early bird spot. You can find the sign-up at bit.ly slash Croatia. Great. Good job. Thank you. 
Also want to remind you that in season six, we are putting out bonus episodes for our Patreon supporters. You may have seen our most recent one went up last week. It was on Loving Annabelle. It was also our first time being joined by a guest. Our friend Abby Nissenbaum joined us for all of our many, many thoughts about that movie. So if you want to find those and all of our bonus Lesstra curricular episodes, you can find those at bit.ly slash lespatreon. In the greater Les universe, I'm going to tell you some things because you never know what's going on. I don't. <laughs> in the greater Les this universe. That's why I listen to your podcast until so I can find things. I out. tell you, anyways. Well, you get the preview this week. So, starting with, did you know last week while I was gone was Lesbian Visibility Week? I did know that because we have a shared Google calendar. <laughs> And I saw that Amazing. it was Lesbian Visibility Week. So we hope everyone had a wonderful Lesbian Visibility Week and are now enjoying our return to the shadows from whence regular civilization can neither see nor perceive us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're no longer visible. Is it okay? now Lesbian Invisibility <laughs> yes. Week? It's the rest of the year, actually. The oh, rest of the calendar great. year. Lesbian Invisibility Week. Speaking of Lesbian Visibility Week, the cast of The L Word visited the White House. They got to join a press briefing for, for Lesbian Visibility Week. So I think they had... Who was there? Eileen Chaikin was there. And then uh, Kate Monig was there. Old L word or new? No, oh, they well they were all. So it was Jennifer Beals, Kate Monig, and and Leisha Haley. I think were all there. So it was all the old uh, old school cast. Yeah, and they got to do a press briefing. I didn't watch it. Uh, I hope they told like someone from Fox to go fuck themselves or something. I don't know what. But that happened. Just so you know, Thank you. while they were visible, I didn't see them. <laughs> well, you should have seen them. It was lesbian visibility. <laughs> it would have been really awkward. If they uh, visited the White House when they were invisible. <laughs> it's always better to do it on Visibility Week. In less good news, Liv Hewson, who I will explain to you because I know you're always bad at actor names Don't and everything. Know who that is. They play Van in Yellow Jackets. Oh. And they are non-binary, as I think many of our listeners know, and sadly just pulled out of the Emmys race because there are only gendered acting categories and there is no place for a non-binary actor no. and so they did not feel comfortable going in either category so um stupid. yes a travesty indeed stupid emmys. of the emmys not stupid <laughs> yes I, th- I think that was clear enough good just making yes, sure just clarifying yeah don't get me don't get yet, canceled so, on your yeah, one exactly. guest spot <laughs> So, yeah, so they uh, were sort of highlighting um, the lack of any sort of award categories for non-binary actors, and they are correct. So, do better Emmys, and, you know, we love you, Liv, and also Van. We love them both. (laughs) We also want to let everyone know that we are going to be doing a Q Interviews live interview on May 5th. That's going to be at... 5 p.m. UK time, which is 12 p.m. Eastern, and that is 9 a.m. Pacific time. So if you want to watch, it's going to be a live streamed interview. You can find all of the details at QInterviews.com. That's what's happening this week. Back to you, Ellie and Lee. Thanks, Ellie and Lee, and welcome to our 105th installment of Should Have Been Gay. Oh, it was fun, it was great, but it should have been. And in this week's episode, we're all learning Kung Fu because there is no spoon, babies. There is no spoon. (laughs) There is no spoon. (laughs) 
<laughs> and we are so excited to have a special guest with us here today. We are joined by Tilly Bridges, who is a trans author and screenwriter. You might know her work writing for Monster High, Star Trek Adventures, and Fallout. And her new book, Begin Transmission, The Trans Allegories of the Matrix, will be released on June 27th. Tilly, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. We are so excited. When we got this email about your book, we were like, we have to talk about this. So I'm so happy that we have you here as an expert on the yes. trans allegories of the Matrix to talk us through it. I'm super excited. It's perfect because we've had the Matrix on our list for forever. I mean, I feel like very few queer people are unfamiliar with with some of the, you know, below the surface material of the movies. Yeah. But we were always like, we just we need to find someone who can like really dig in, like someone who's like the Matrix expert. And then we get this email and who <laughs> lands in our lab, but a Matrix expert. It's so convenient. It was destiny. It yes. really, it was fate. It was fate. Do we believe in fate? <laughs> oh my God. The oracle foretold that Tilly would come on Let's Hang Out. Questions. <laughs> I love it. So let's dive in. Lee, will you give us our IMDb synopsis for The Matrix? Oh my gosh, you know I would love to read our IMDb synopsis. For anybody unfamiliar with the, you know, late 90s iconic film, The Matrix, the IMDb synopsis is as follows. When a beautiful stranger leads computer hacker Neo to a forbidding underworld, he discovers the shocking truth. The life he knows is the elaborate deception of an evil cyber intelligence. Interesting. Uh, Tilly, right? wh what do you think of that IMDb synopsis? Do you feel like that accurately <laughs> describes the Matrix to you? On a surface level, sure. It's fine. <laughs> yes, but I feel like we can go deeper. So what is your gay synopsis? What is your trans synopsis of the Matrix? When you watch the Matrix, and, what do and, you see? You know, a sh short, short synopsis. Short, we're we're yeah. going to dive in. We'll dive in. Don't sure. worry. Well, the very first, the, the, just the first movie specifically is about one person's coming to terms with being trans and accepting their transness and choosing to transition. That's what it's about under the surface. What about you, Ellie? What's your gay synopsis? Okay, so for me, I, my queer synopsis is Neo realizes his entire quote unquote straight life is a lie. And finally lives up to his queer potential when he starts to break all of the rules of the Matrix and become who he's always meant to be. Amazing. Amazing. That's my synopsis. Okay. I think my synopsis would be the Wachowskis crack some eggs with their plot and give some lesbians their root with Carrie Ann Moss in True. gay hit <laughs> The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so true. I, listen, looking back on 99, let's be real with ourselves. Trinity is um, something else. She's ma'am. Yes. Just, whew. Okay. Anyways. Something else. Yes. Oh my <laughs> did God. you enjoy, did you enjoy your, uh, your, your watch, watching experience, viewing experience, Ellie? Yes. Uh, okay, very great. Much, very much. I'm so, so excited <laughs> to hear all about it. So Tilly, you wrote an entire book about this. So Clearly, yeah. The Matrix is important to you, right? So what was your experience with The Matrix? How has it factored into your life? Well, you know, at first it was just a series of movies that I really liked. And I always connected with them on a really deep level that I didn't understand because I didn't know I was trans back when I first saw the, uh, the original three. So for a long time, they were just movies I was a fan of. And I knew there was a lot going on under the surface, but I never 
dug too deep, which is part of the whole not digging too deep into my own transness because I was scared of what I was going to find. But then when I, after I came out, I started writing weekly threads about the experience of being trans. And a lot of people were reading them and they knew that I'm a screenwriter. And it was right around the same time when the Wachowskis had finally come out publicly and said they intended the movies to be a trans allegory. And people just kept asking me all the time as a screenwriter, as a trans woman, what are these allegories? What do they mean? What are they saying? And I just, I got a little fed up with being asked so much that I thought, (laughs) okay, I'm going to address this in one of my essays and we'll see what happens. And so I sat down to watch them again to take notes and found that they went so, so, so much deeper than I could have ever realized in ways that I would have never been able to see until I knew I was trans. So that turned into a series of 24 essays, which became the book. It was, and it was accidental. I never set out to write this book. It just happened um, because there's just so much to talk about with all of the movies. And they speak to the trans experience in such a specific, unique way that nothing else in our media does. And so uh, because of that, it's what I've become most well known for. And so now I'm sort of uh, inextricably linked with it. But that's okay. I don't mind. I love that. Lee, what was your personal experience with The Matrix? Oh, gosh. Um, my experience was I had seen the original, like the the first Matrix movie, like back probably when I was in high school, like, you know, the, the year or so it came out. I had not seen any of the sequels at all. So and I don't think I had watched it in I mean, I don't know, two two decades close to. Uh, we rewatched it. We rewatched like the first one this week. I watched the second one in the car on the way up. I still haven't seen the last two. I'm trying. Uh, I ran out of time. But you know what was really fun for me is that I remember watching The Matrix, and I remember I remember at the time like how kind of like the the joke that people really tried to make of Keanu Reeves for such a long time because of these movies. And what was really fun for me, actually, going back and watching it now, A, knowing just like what kind of a, a you know, cool down to earth guy Keanu Reeves seems to be in real life, but also going back and watching it, having now, we went real hard for Sense8. My wife and I, like, we're I obsessed with that show. Yeah. And so it, what I actually really appreciated was going back and watching something, being more familiar and being far more just like, starry-eyed about the Wachowskis as filmmakers and as directors and all of that, that I was like, wow, I actually think I appreciate this so much more than I ever did at, you know, age 13 or whatever when I was watching this the first time around. So I actually had a really fun time rewatching the first one um and and getting to watch the second one so that's it's funny like we watched the first one and then i watched the second one in the car while while kelsey was driving my wife was driving and she was like well i'd kind of want to watch the others and i was like i'll rewatch it with you we'll finish the series don't worry like so it's on our list now we gotta we gotta get through it you will be extra thrilled by the fourth one because it was made post sensate and there are many many sensate references within so nice. you have a lot oh, to that's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Listen, I already was just excited in the second one when I was like, oh, yeah, sexy times. There's the Wachowskis I know and love. Like, let's get some, <laughs> sl- you know, not not quite as provocative as they got in, in Sense8. I mean, it was 2003. It was, uh, yeah. you know, 
a little bit more restrained. <laughs> I don't at the know. Time. Though, 1999 was the peak of human civilization, apparently. So true. So, so true. <laughs> yeah, really at our height then. You know. Yeah. What about you, Ellie? Tell us. Tell us about your experience yeah, so with the Matrix. I actually had never seen the Matrix. That's so crazy. Which is wild. You know, yeah. like it's like one of those movies that like. I don't know. It like is so iconic and I had yeah. gone so long without seeing it. It's just like it part like, of the zeitgeist. Like you know like, there is no spoon. You, I like, know, you know like yeah. all the references. Like, you know the red pill, blue pill. Yeah, right? like, I, like, I know all these things and then like most people have already seen it. So it's like I would have to like be with someone who's like either really obsessed with the Matrix, Matrix which like a lot of people are. Or has also never seen it. Like, the catalyst was not really there for me to see it. So to do this episode, that was my catalyst. And my girlfriend was very excited because she loves The Matrix. So she was like, yes, let's watch it together. And so we watched it. And I agree, Lee. Like, the Wachowskis, like, they're just so good. Like, I don't yeah, know. It's like great. the the story, the the cinematography of it all. like. They also did Bound, am I right? Yep. Didn't they? Yeah. That was their first film. Yes. So, like, there were some things that were, like, reminiscent of the, like, cinematography and Bound. And, like, I was just having, like, such an experience. Like, it's an experience. Like, it's not just watching a movie. Like, it's such so, like, immersive. Oh, it's great. It's, I, you know what I remember, like, so vividly on this, on this time around is, in the first one, the scene when the helicopter's going down and he's yes. got the rope and he's like, Trinity. And she's like, cl- you know, That's shooting, good, the, that was shooting the beaner and, uh, and like, <laughs> you know, just holding on to this little rope. And then you get the helicopter explosion behind her and she's like framed dead center. And I was just like, man. They just know how to frame a shot. It's, it's so, wild. Yeah, like, it's wild. It's like, so some satisfying. of the stare shots are really yeah, cool. That's great. That's good. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. I will say I only got through the first one, but like same. Jana's like, so we're gonna watch the second and we're gonna watch the rest. Like we are on a matrix kick now. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah. really, really enjoyed it. So I'm excited to talk about it. Tilly, I would love for you to sort of talk us through you have twenty four essays, right? So yeah. there's clearly a lot of content. So starting from, at number one. Yeah, yes. Well, but starting from the beginning, starting from like really the first movie itself, like what are some of the trans allegories that you've written about that really stand out to you? Well, the first one is a good place to start because what I was very surprised to discover is that each movie has different things to say about the trans experience that builds on what came before. And so you have to go in order and you have to understand the first one to understand the second and the third and the fourth. So what you get when you look at them as a whole is they are about one person's complete transition journey. Um, And it's that person that goes from Thomas Anderson to Neo to Trinity. Trinity is his self-actualization, the person he longs to be and does not fully become until the end of the fourth one. Most of the people around Neo are representations of his psyche. Uh, Morpheus is his subconscious and his superego. Cypher is his doubt and his id. The Oracle is his heart. It's so hard to to sum up uh, succinctly because it goes so deep and it's so layered. Yeah. Well, you don't have to be succinct. We have time. Well, so yeah, you can go okay. into the layers. We've got all night. Yeah, I you know. can go into the layers. We're good with that. Smith starts off as sort of, I guess I, I sort of called it passive transphobia in the sort of uh, 
a society set up by cis people and designed for cis people excludes trans people uh, as a matter of fact, not intentionally, but because they did not pay attention to the fact that we are real and we exist. But over the course of the first movie, he becomes active transphobia, the kind that acknowledges our existence only so that they can try to end it. And uh, he represents that through all four of the movies uh, going forward. Uh, there are other characters later on in uh, the future films that represent different parts of, of Neo's uh, psyche as he goes along his journey. The use of color is really important and intentional through all four movies. They establish it in the first with the pills. Uh, red is truth. Red is always truth. When the first movie came out, hormone replacement therapy that was prescribed for trans women was called Premarin, and it was a red pill. He is literally taking an estrogen pill to begin his transition. But the converse of that is the blue, and the blue always stands for doubt. The difficult thing about doubt is it takes many forms. In the first movie, Cypher is Neo's doubt that he's trans, and that he would love to just pretend he's not, and ignore it, and go back to living the lie that he was, because it was so much easier to live that way. In uh, future films, his doubt morphs and changes, the second film is all about how difficult life becomes when you are an out trans person and all the ways that society comes for you once you're out and they know that. And knowing how difficult your life was going to become, would you still choose to transition? That's, that's the doubt that Neo's got in the second movie. And uh, that sort of carries over to the third. The third movie is about dealing with internalized transphobia and where we might be able to go in the future with society if we can reach some kind of a balance or equilibrium. And in the fourth movie, Neo has actually detransitioned at the start of it. His doubt in that movie is the doubt that he was right to detransition. And the whole fourth movie is about him retransitioning to finally truly become the Trinity he always wanted to be. So yeah, Trinity is, is his self-actualization, the whole person. Her name comes right from Neo, which is one, Morpheus two, Cypher three. The ego, the superego, the id wrapped together. They're one person. It's a woman. The other three are men. She has to reconcile these supposedly male aspects of herself to attain full self-actualization. And it takes all four movies for that to happen. So I haven't seen the fourth movie. What happens in the fourth movie for Neo to transition into Trinity? Well, Or should that... I not? Or should I not spoil it for myself? But I feel like... You it, shouldn't spoil it, it for yourself. It's, it's, it would be really hard for me to explain now. Okay. You're better off just watching it and and seeing that for yourself. (laughs) Don't Um, spoil it. Yeah. One of the things that I'm, that struck me about the first movie is I feel like too the, like where you're talking about Neo transitioning, right? And Neo accepting that he is the one. Right. I feel like there's also something really powerful about the fact that Neo transitioning means he's powerful, means he can take on the agents. Like he he is the only person who can fight back against this system once he's really accepted himself. And I feel like that's such a beautiful, like this is also like a trans allegory. That's a beautiful trans allegory. Like how do you, I don't know. How do you personally feel about that in terms of like how, how the matrix talks about transness, like in what emotionally, do you know what I mean? I think it's got really important things to say. You know, it's strange because watching it, I've never, I've seen other, programs, TV shows, movies, comics, books. Now, there are more that feature actual trans people on the surface by trans people, right? But even still, nothing has gotten to speak 
to the experience quite as deeply as these movies have. And I'm so glad that you brought up the one because on the surface you think, oh, so this is just another chosen one story, which we have a thousand of, right? Or more than that, likely. But it's not because within the allegory, when you look at that conversation Neo has with the Oracle, knowing that the Oracle is his heart, and your heart always knows the truth, you can't lie to it, but you won't accept it until you're ready to. It can't be forced, right? And so you look at that whole conversation between them and what she's telling him is that he's the one he's been waiting for. We are all the ones we've been waiting for. No one can tell us we are trans. No one can, we have to accept ourselves and choose to live our truth. So we are, are the ones that we've been waiting to come save us. We have to save ourselves. And I think that's a really, really powerful message. Yeah. yeah. It's also, it's one of the things that I, again, like watching it now, because I rem- I don't think the last time I watched The Matrix, I had not seen, you know, anything about like the the deeper meaning and symbolism yeah. and like some of the other stuff. And of course it was, you know, again, like far before the Wachowskis had transitioned, like any of that. Watching it again on the on the flip side of that and really getting to appreciate some of the things that it's like again it's so funny watching this movie now in in the year of our lord 2023 with the current state of trans issues in our country and with the current state of like ai things where they are you know it like it puts a different spin on a lot of things and so it's very funny to like go back and rewatch this movie that you just know i'm like so many people sat there and cheered for you know like the line like the name is neo you know like so many people sat there and related to and internalized this idea of like yeah he gets to decide who he is, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. you don't get to call him the name that's not him, that's, like, the fake world him. Like, it's just, it's so cool. And I think what was really funny about it to me, having not watched the movie in, like, 20 years, is, like, if you had paid, like, you, there's no amount of money that you could have paid me for me to tell you what Neo's name was in The Matrix. Like, I could have I could have maybe told you Mr. Anderson maybe first name not a chance like i'm like no he's neo he's neo why would you what hmm. <laughs> what yeah. do you mean yeah. what do you what like what would you know and so and it's just because i think the movies really do an amazing job of building a narrative that like nobody could could fall on the wrong side of, you know, like no one's going to watch this movie and be like, well, honestly, it's just a shame that that cypher guy couldn't have come out on top. Like, (laughs) no. And yet. And yet. And yet. It has happened. I mean, it has now. It did not in 99, right? Like, well, I don't know how early the quote unquote red pill guys started. But the really interesting thing is that the Wachowskis are such geniuses that they saw them coming and called them out right in the movie, right? Yeah. The people so hopelessly inured to the system that they defend it without even realizing that's what they're doing. They're so far inside, they think they're outside. And so, yeah, and you know what? The fourth movie actually has a lot to say about that. 
In addition to being about detransitioning and retransitioning, it's also very specifically about the co-opting and erasure of trans voices, specifically what has happened to the Wachowskis with the red pilling. And that's a thing that happens to trans people a lot. And it must really, really suck for them because it sucks for me just as a trans woman and a fan of these movies to have that red pill appropriated to mean the exact opposite of everything it ever meant. And so for them, I imagine that must be an incredibly painful thing to deal with. So it was really kind of cathartic to see Lana deal with that outright in the fourth movie. Yeah. And I'm so glad that she got the the chance to do that. And because I was some of the stuff I was reading about it today, since I didn't have time to watch the last two that I was kind of like, you know, trying to get a, a quick overview of like some of the plot and uh, and some of the stuff. And like I was reading about how they had started filming like February 2020. Right. So like had just started filming like immediately kind of had to shut everything down. And that she almost decided not to go through with like finishing the film. Right. So I yeah, I think it's it's I'm excited to get to it. And I'm excited that that there was an opportunity to like go back and address, I think, what had been like a huge twisting of like so many of the really central messages of the movies, you know. Can one of you explain what the red pill guys are? Yes, sure. Um, They're the so-called men's rights activists who believe that men are the oppressed class in society. Chiefly, they are all cis white men. Mm -hmm. Um, And they believe that, you know, they're the ones that are oppressed. The society that was set up and established by cis white men is out to get them. And uh, they have it worse than trans people and then black people and that every other marginalized community does. Women. Yeah. It's, yes. It's everything. Yeah. Everyone's yes. out to get them. I mean, I yeah. definitely know. Poor, I, definitely, poor, I just didn't know that they were men. called red pill guys. That's what they oh, call yeah. themselves. They've That's appropriated the red pill. so horrible. Yeah. They, they like post They have a around. whole Reddit yeah. uh, channel. Like, or uh, what are they called? Reddit. Oh. Like a subreddit, subreddit. called yeah. Like, yeah. red subreddit. pill. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's real bad. They go around encouraging people to wake up and take the red pill so you can see the truth of how cis white men are the oppressed class. And oh, my God. Yeah. Like it's, the nerve, it's horrible. Ellie, the nerve. It's wild. It's absolutely yes. horrible. And that, I mean, that's also God, it is so crazy too. like, I don't know. I'm since this movie came out like in the late 90s. Right. I guess like what are your thoughts about subversive queer cinema in general. I know that's like a very like broad thing to say, but do you know what I mean? Like the fact that a straight person would watch this and not quite realize what they were watching. Yeah. But I we mean, understand it. That sort of tracks through all of history though, right? So, I mean, like the trans, the inherent transness of these Matrix movies, like I always connected to, but I didn't know that's what it was. I didn't know it was there. I couldn't see it until I could see through my true eyes, right? And could identify all of these things. And I think that it's okay that cishet people can't see that. But when trans people tell you, hey, this is what it means to us and this is how it speaks to us, you just have to listen. And that's Mm -hmm. how you learn because not everything is about you. It's so funny because when I first posted these as social media threads, the Red Pill guys found me almost immediately. And Mm -hmm. They yelled at me and they screamed at me. And their entire argument was that there was no way on earth two trans women could have written a trans story about transness. And I'm like, come on. What? How can you listen to yourself and even say this? But no, they can't see anything 
outside of themselves because, you know, it's that refrain of when uh, everything has always been about you, anybody else getting even slightly some rights feels like oppression because you're mm-hmm. not centered suddenly and they've been centered their whole lives in every piece of media and every piece of news forever. And so trans people saying, hey, wait a minute, this one franchise by trans people is actually about trans people. They they lose their minds. Yep. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's wild, too, that like the Wachowski sisters literally said it was like, no, we're not making this shit up. Like, yeah, the people who wrote it said it's a trans allegory. Well, like, I mean, like it, some of it is so obvious, like Thomas Anderson, his dead name mm-hmm. translates roughly to twin of the masculine. That's not an accident when you're trans women <laughs> making a movie. That's yes. not especially an- <laughs> especially in a movie where like all of the names are like so like there's no subtlety, right? In the naming that's, scheme that's really of this funny movie. Like because I call it out so many times in the books. There is besides just the names, there are so many things that they do that I call super text. Because they're yeah. the opposite mm-hmm. of subtext. It's so surface. You have to be willfully yeah. ignorant to ignore what they're saying to you right here. So, yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I feel like the, the names across the entire series are probably like one of the most obvious examples of that. Yes. To me, you know, because it's not even they're not even like, oh, it's this name that's like sort of a play or a reference to this. They're like, the name is Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> and you're like, okay, <laughs> okay well, great. yeah, just look up who he was. And like, it's not hard. Exactly. <laughs> it's not really hard to do this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the other things in the in the films that are super text to you that are like, this is so obvious? That's a good question. There's so many of them, and I don't have the book here with me to look them up. Can we throw some at you and you can tell us some thoughts on them? Yeah, please. <laughs> okay. I would say the use of the phrase residual self-image is a huge one for me. <laughs> like that that stuck out a lot. So I would be curious about the the some thoughts on that and maybe how that also relates to the use of sunglasses when they're in the matrix. You know, I hadn't really examined the use of the sunglasses. That's an interesting point, but I think it's probably because sometimes the sunglasses are used to very good eff- effect with reflections. Uh, reflections are really important, especially in the first movie. They are something that um, are very difficult for a lot of trans people. Photos and reflections are things we struggle with and uh, usually give us a lot of dysphoria because we don't see ourselves in them for yeah. our whole lives. Um, so those can be really rough. But the use of sunglasses, that's... I mean, that's that's what it kind of jumped out at me yeah. for, is that, like, I... Because you notice it most prominently, I think, with, with Morpheus um, and Trinity in the first movie, that, like, any time they're in the Matrix, they're wearing sunglasses. Yeah. Right? Like, they're never wearing glasses when they're uh, when they're on the ship, when they're in, like, kind of the real world. But they're always wearing, and, and especially, like, Morpheus, you can, you, you, because of how cleverly they're used for the framing of all those shots, like, they're very reflective sunglasses. And I feel like what that looks like to me is that none of these characters ever have to, like, look at their own reflections in the projections of themselves that have this like residual image of their like how they were in the matrix you know that's a very like, good reading i like that so I, I i feel like there's just i don't know and also just how they dress like just the style of like you know the kind of over the top like just the all black floor length yeah. trench coats boots <laughs> like just i there's so many cool things i think about the, how the characters once they get out relate to going back in you know yeah. It's actually interesting that you bring up um, Neo's coat because they use it 
in very specific ways in the sequels. He's got, uh, he's not wearing a trench coat. He's wearing what looks like a dress. Now they couldn't put him in a dress, but it's as close as they could have gotten to him. And Mm -hmm. he routinely does a dress go spinny, if you are familiar with the terminology. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I have two small, uh, two young daughters, so yes, I'm very familiar. (laughs) Yeah, and it's a big thing for trans women. It's In the trans women community, dress go spinny, it's the thing. You put a skirt or dress on, you've got to go spinny because it, you know, gives you gender euphoria. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And they yeah. use it in that exact same way. Flying is his gender euphoria and and he does the Dresco spinnies even Every in the middle time. of time. Even he in the really middle of the, the giant brawl with all the Smiths, he, he still works a few in. Yeah. But in the That's fourth hilarious. one, especially if you watch Neo's coat, the length of it for no reason whatsoever changes throughout the movie. And as he starts to retransition, it gets a little longer. He gets scared and it gets a little shorter and then it proceeds to get longer and longer and longer until he finally becomes the Trinity he always wanted to be at the end. And it is the full floor length dress again. It's it's mind blowing. The first time I caught that, I'm like, are you are you kidding me? I love that so much. It's That's yeah, awesome. It's oh, really good. I'm, we're going to have to watch for that. I mean, I love too just like how like you said, like there's so many layers, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the fact that. Just that one aspect of the coat has so many layers is like yeah. brilliant. They're just brilliant. They're brilliant. Okay, let's <laughs> let's talk about another super text thing that I would love to know your thoughts on, yes. which are the pods that everyone comes out of when oh, yeah. you awaken from the matrix. Yeah, yeah. So the pods are egg shaped. For folks who don't know, eggs are trans people who don't know they're trans yet. I don't know. I tried to find this out when I was uh, writing the book and the original threads, but I couldn't find out if the terminology of egg came around before the movie and it might have been a reference to that or if it was a reference to the movie itself because they were egg-shaped pods. But yeah, when he wakes up in the Matrix, he is very clearly, it's a very clear rebirth metaphor and he comes out of an egg-shaped pod surrounded by red. Red is the truth. This is his truth. And he can see how you know, all of society is being used 
to extract power for those who are at the top of the matrix. And the matrix is our, our cisgender binary that we're all forced into at birth, set up and run by cishet white men. And one of the other really genius things that they do that, that again, holds through all of the movies is that, you note, in the real world, Neo has, and not just Neo, but also Morpheus and Trinity, they have those modifications to their bodies due to being hooked up to the Matrix, right? The little, like, tube ports that are all over mm-hmm. their spine and their arms. Mm-hmm. Those are a metaphor for the uh, wrong puberty that we are all forced to go through, trans people, by keeping the knowledge of trans people and and the knowledge of hormone replacement therapy that can help you as a kid not go through the body changes that you don't want. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if, if all of your listeners are familiar, but like I transitioned as an adult and I did not know trans people were a thing you could be as a kid. I had no access to puberty blockers. And so as a result, I am taller. My voice is deeper. My shoulders are broader. My jaw is wider. These are all changes that could have been stopped with puberty blockers, but because I didn't have access to those because nobody in society or my family or anywhere told me that this was a thing that could could be done to help me. I have these changes to my body that I did not ask for and I did not want that I cannot ever do anything about. And they are stuck with me and that's, they represent those, uh, that's how they represent them in the matrix on Neo and Trinity and Morpheus and, and all of the others. So it's really genius too if you look at the ways they when they will show them to each other and when they won't. Mm-hmm. It's a really it's, intimate thing to to reveal that. It's also interesting, you know, that as you're sharing that, I'm I'm like flashing back to that discussion that Morpheus has with Neo when he's like, you know, we usually don't pull people out past a certain age. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, like, gosh, it's just, it's so, it's so different to watch this movie now, like knowing... I, I just it's like thinking about the Wachowskis writing this script where they were in their lives, you yeah. know, and like, ah, uh, it just it's like there's so <sighs> it just like yeah. has so much more weight to it, you know, to like think about somebody writing that line of dialogue into yeah. a movie at just it's like a gut punch, you know, to like to just think about what what it must have been like to just because they probably did just feel stuck like feel like it was too late you know and it's just it's so again like you're saying it's just like the idea of people like co-opting so much of this movie to like continue to do harm to like the community this movie was was written for really it's just like yeah it's gross it's gross i hate it it's a special yeah. kind of hell. Yeah, yeah agree. Yeah, honestly, uh, it really is. I have a question about the body modifications because there's, I forget their names, but there's two characters who don't have them. Yeah, right? Tank and Dozer. Dozer. Yep. What, do you th- what do you think about that? Like, what does that mean? Okay, so in the first movie, Tank very specifically represents the trans community. That's later in the sequels come to be represented by Zion and then Io. But in the in the first movie, he's sort of a stand-in for the entire trans community. But the reason like that he doesn't have those modifications is he would be a trans person that was accepted as themselves from birth. He was born outside the matrix. And so he did not have to go through the body modifications because he may have had access to puberty blockers that stop those irreversible changes from happening to his body. And so that's why 
he does not have those. And all those people who are quote unquote born outside the matrix don't because they were not forced into a gender binary at birth. Also speaking of binary, maybe this is a stretch, but maybe it's not. And correct me if I'm wrong, computers, but like the matrix is in binary code, question mark. Is that correct? I, I presume. I mean, like <laughs> right? the symbols like, are not binary, but yeah, but yeah. I mean, all programming basically all, all boils down. Underlying to Underlying languages are binary yeah. somewhere down the line. That's right? really, I don't uh, know if there's something there. Yeah. Well, y- you know, they. Um, not to spoil too much for you, but in the fourth movie, when Neo has detransitioned, he's back in the Matrix. Right? He's living as Thomas Anderson, writing programs, and the program he's writing is called Binary. So. Mm. They're, they're telling you a whole lot right there. Yes. I think, too, like, one of the things that really stuck out to me is, like, is the, the, the transition of Neo. But, like, I think Morpheus says something like, you know, this program has rules, but, like, there's ways to bend. You know there's ways to bend and break them. Right? And, like, that's the point at which he can unlock everything. Right. I just find, like, where it's, like, if we're going to talk about it as, like, the Matrix is our society. Yep. I think also that message is super powerful to say yeah. to trans people and like to the queer community of like, this is not built for you, but also you are like, you're smarter. Like you're, you know what I mean? You can create your own reality. There is no right. fucking spoon. <laughs> and you can teach each other how to live and work within it and to break those rules by keeping each other safe and being who you need to be, uh, you know, uh, even though society says that's not who you can be and not who you are. That's not that's not true. Uh, the movies actually make it explicit through the thing. That is a lie. It's what society believes, but it is never truth. The, there is never mm-hmm. just a binary. Yes, which I love. Also, like, would love to just talk about, like, what you sort of touched on here of, like, I saw it so much as like all of these people, Morpheus, Trinity, like are a little like queer community. Like they're on the outskirts of of society. And like you said, like they take care of each other and try to keep each other safe. Right. Ellie, Ellie loves a found family. I do love a found what. family. I do. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a little hard for me to see that i mean i do see it but it's it's harder for me with the main cast because i can't see them as anything other than aspects of neo himself right so he's Mm -hmm. his own little found family all these different parts of himself that he's got to reconcile and pull together but uh, they do get into that much more so in uh, the sequels there are a lot of other characters that you will see that stand in for the trans community the queer community and you see the ways that we have to protect each other and stand up for each other the the people who've been out for 20, 30 years and the the people who just came out and how we're kind of in awe of each other and it's mutual support all the way through. So they deal with that a lot in uh, the second and third, especially. I just, yeah, also like, I guess maybe we could talk more about like Zion itself. Yeah. What does like that particular city mean in terms of like the the general allegory? Um, once you get to it, it's mostly just showing how we are all in- interconnected with each other and we need to rely on each other to survive in the society that we're stuck in. It's actually really difficult for me. Uh, the third movie, I love it. There's the, the giant action sequence where Zion comes under attack. And as a sci-fi action sequence, 
It is breathtaking. And it's so long. It goes on for a really long time and it's never boring. It is never dull. It is invigorating. It's it's stunning, but it's so hard to watch because it is an attack by society on the trans community and a lot of trans people don't make it out alive. And that mm-hmm. is reflected in this battle. And so when you know things like that, it what when you know what they're saying and what this all means, it some of the spots become really tough. In the second movie, there's the Burly Brawl, which I, I know, Ellie, you haven't seen it yet, but there's just, uh, there's like 50 or more Smiths that attack Neo at once. And it's a really fun action scene. And you've kind of, especially at the time it came out, never saw anything like it before. But when you know what it means, it becomes really hard to watch because uh, Neo has just accepted his transness. He's choose to transition. So he's out as a trans person. And that is all of society coming for him at the same time. It's every time a trans person is dead named. It's every time we're misgendered. It's the super awful, super binary airport scanners where the TSA agent has to push male or female when a person walks through and how awful that is for trans people. It's, you know, bathroom bills. It's trans kids in sports. It's losing our rights state by state by state. It's like 50 other things and we have to deal with it all every single day. And it's one thing on top of another on top of another and it never stops. And so watching that scene again becomes really tough, really emotional because that's like everyday life for trans people in this country. And it was even worse for them back then, I'm sure, because you couldn't really even, how many out people did you know in 1999 or the early 2000s? There were Mm -hmm. so, so few. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's wonderful and it's breathtaking, but some of it is, is really, really personal to a lot of trans people. And so it can be a a little emotional at times. I mean, I can definitely understand that. That makes it would definitely be emotional to watch. Yeah. Can I ask about another um, super texty thing that I feel like we have to? Yes, please. Please talk do. about uh, if you're going to talk about the Matrix movies. I feel like we have to talk about the character of Switch. Yes, yeah, Switch. Oh, poor Switch. <laughs> poor Switch. Not poor like Switch. this. Not, not like, like this, this. indeed. Like well, this. and it's like, I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to try to like not drag us down into like, again, like the meaning of that moment yeah. in, in and of itself. But I think just um, like one of the very first things I ever saw when I started, you know, like reading about some of the allegories and the symbolism in the movies was like the original plan for the character of Switch, which was to have different gender presentations or different genders really in the in reality and in the matrix and uh and how that wasn't you know they couldn't get that to fly i think at the time yeah they weren't allowed yeah so talk talk a little bit about like what your thoughts are on on switch or or like do you think it would have been different like what would it have been like to get to see that character as they were kind of originally envisioned well, it would have been life-changing because you didn't get to see trans people on screen ever back then. But it also would have been heartbreaking knowing what happens to Switch mm-hmm. and what happens mm-hmm. to most trans people in most media still is that we are the victims of violence or we're else horrible perpetrators of violence or just the butt of a joke. So that uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword, uh, I think, if, if Switch had gotten to be trans 
But if if there was a tweak to the story where where maybe somebody else died there and Switch got to live, maybe you know that that could have uh, worked a lot better. But it's really interesting with Switch because they still kind of tried to make them trans. Oh yeah, Visu- visually, like, like there's there, the yeah. scene where Neo takes the pill. Switch is wearing what looks like a chest binder under a blazer. And there's another scene in the Matrix where Switch comes out wearing a f- like flesh-colored top under their white suit, and uh-huh. it almost looks like a bare chest. And so, I'm like, they they were so sneaky about it. I'm like, you could yeah. almost even. You can... I mean, just like the hair, the different hair yeah. stylings in and out of the Matrix for Switch. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it was very like again watching it now, like stuff I wouldn't have picked up on the first time I watched the movie. You know, yeah. you were just like, oh, here's a character, sure, Switch, great. Watching it again, it was just like, yeah, very subtle. Well, I I mean, not even subtle, but just not like subtle, very yeah. small small changes <laughs> that like immediately. You know, you watch it now, especially like, you know, Ellie and I talk all the time about going back and uh, and watching movies with, you know, like uh, wider gayer gayer eyes. eyes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's like you look at the different ways that Switch is wearing their hair in the Matrix and like the, the difference in their clothes and stuff. And you're just like, oh, well, also just like in terms of super text, like the name Switch. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was right very there on the nose. It's yeah. Very on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, how would. I don't know what happens in in the fourth, but like, how would you have felt if Neo presented differently in both? Um, like if it was like this main character rather than a character who gets killed? I think, well, that's interesting because it, I don't know. It's hard to, to say because it would break the rest of the allegory with what they did with Trinity being yeah. the person inside and who he wants to be. And so if Neo actually got to change that way, it would break everything else. So I'm yeah. not sure, uh, but it would be would have been really cool if there was a way to do that while maintaining everything else. But that that was not to be. So yeah. Oh man, this movie is like has so much. There's a I mean there's, there's a lot. so much there's a lot I know. Um, what else? What else do we want to talk about in terms of the allegories? Anything else that like really? sticks out to you that we have not covered? Well, I, I don't want to get too much into anything in the sequels. I don't want to spoil you. Also, it'd be harder to understand <laughs> if you, you haven't Thank seen you. it. So, but I will mention that that in Reloaded, the second one, and then again, holding through all of them, um, they add in yellow as a, a color, as part of the allegory to represent fear. And the genius thing about their use of red, blue, and yellow is that the combinations of them also work. So if you see something that's purple, purple comes from red and blue, which shows you there is truth, but also doubt at the same time. The green overcast of all the movies when they are in the matrix shows you that the entire matrix is based in fear and doubt. Blue and yellow is green. And I was so blown away when I first realized all of this through the first trilogy or for the first three movies. But I I wrote all of my my uh, allegory essays about the tr- original trilogy before the fir- fourth movie came out. And I was terrified that somehow I had misinterpreted that it was all wrong and whatever I was going to see in the fourth movie was going to completely blow up everything that I had written about the first three. Mm-hmm. And instead, what it did is reconfirmed all of it all the way through, which really blew my mind. So... It's it's fascinating that none of it breaks all the way through. It all holds every step of the way. 
Um, it kind of, I don't know, it blows my mind. They're working on so many levels that it's it's hard for me to even fathom. As a writer, I'm in awe of them. I'm like, I write and I can't do this. How did you do this? It is so impressive. Like to just yeah. think about like, what is their process, right? Like that they're like, yeah. okay, so here's the story. And then like, all right, and here's the nut, like here's the second layer. And then like, they're like, and at 25 layers, here's the, <laughs> here's yeah. where we're at. Yeah. Like, it is insane. It is so cool. So cool. Yeah. Sorry, I have one other thing I want to ask about. Because, so again, I mean, I just, like, I hadn't seen these movies in so long. And there's just, there's, like, things that are, like, they they hit different now, you know? Yep. And so I'm really curious, especially because because we haven't gotten to read your book yet. So when you see this path, right, like this transition journey yeah. ending at Trinity, and I, I just, I have to ask how... There's a scene in the first movie because like so my wife and I were talking about it in the first movie where it's like the piece that I do find a little bit to be the funniest in the first movie to me is like the rom communist of the ending. Right. I actually also started laughing at that part. <laughs> oh, no, it's great. It's great. I mean, <laughs> I was it, like so in and then I was like, oh, OK, and now we have to have the yeah, love story yeah, yeah. component and whatever. But, yeah. but but here's what I find fascinating about the the journey that you're presenting sort of recasts that whole scene to me in terms of having Trinity say, like, you know, express this pure love for mm-hmm. Neo. Yeah. And and I don't know if that's something you talk about in the book, but if it is, I'd love to hear what some of your thoughts are. And if it isn't, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> it very much is. So the romance the quote-unquote romance in the surface-level sci-fi story between Neo and Trinity within the allegory is actually Neo's self-acceptance, coming to terms with who he really is. Every time that they kiss through all four movies is a turning point in his self-acceptance. It is when he is choosing to embrace himself and love himself enough to do whatever he has to do to become his true self. So you can time it. You can see it every single kiss. And I call them all out in the book as they happen and show you exactly what's going on here. They all happen at turning points. And at the end of the first movie, when that happens, that's the moment where he said, I've started to transition and look how hard things have gotten. And I'm going to do it anyway, because I'm worth it. No matter what society says, I know myself better than society does. And I know who I am. And this is me. And that's who I'm going to be. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that that probably helps explain why, like, as a romance, I think it feels very clunky or I don't know if clunky is the right word, but it's like it doesn't feel like like a romantic en- enough. Like there's not a I don't know how to explain it. It feels like it's something else. Yeah. Do you know it doesn't I mean? feel like romantic love. It's a different kind of yeah. love. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's hilarious when I wrote one of the the first essays talking about this, somebody replied to me and they said, you know, I never liked the romance between Neo and Trinity because I thought they looked like siblings. And that grossed me out. And I'm like, well, they look like each other for a reason. That was on purpose. They were cast to look like each other because they're the same person. Well, and there's and there's that. And then it's also just like, you know, when uh, when they have that moment where she's like, and I love you. And Kelsey was like, have they 
spoken. <laughs> like <laughs> she was like, because when you watch the first Matrix movie, like you know, I mean, it, not it's not like a bad thing about the movies because they are visually like they're great. The fight scenes are a huge component of the movie. But she's like, this doesn't feel like there's actually been that much time. Like there's not a whole lot of things that happen, right? Like plot wise, like you spend a lot of time on. Like, a, what is, in reality, like, a pretty short story, you know? And so she was like, how much time have they even spent together? And I was like, ah, rom-coms, you know? Like, <laughs> but even within the world of a rom-com, it just kind of, like, felt... It, like, feels forced when you try to think about it from a romantic standpoint. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because it doesn't... I don't think it's building on a on a romantic It's not, uh, yeah. When you think of it the other all. way, he's been with himself his whole life, right? And so when you... If you watch it again, I, I tell people that once you know about these allegories, once you've read the books, you will never watch the movies the same way again because it, they all, it all changes. It all means in something entirely different. And when you know about what those kisses mean and about the turning point in this one person's journey, they mean so much more. The romance is gone, but there was hardly that much to begin with in the surface story anyway. But you see this really deep, beautiful bit of self-love realizing that you are the one that's going to save you and um, so it on that level it absolutely works all the way through all four of them so i i don't even look at it on the surface level anymore i can't all i can see is the you know the transness underneath i love that also isn't there a part towards the beginning too like when they first meet where trinity's basically like i know all of your thoughts right? yeah, and yeah. Th there's that that <laughs> line where he says i thought you were a guy yeah and she's like, most guys do, but she's not. And if she's not, he's not. Yes. So yes. Yeah, he thought he was a guy, That's but he's amazing. not. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It, I also feel like super it, um, I feel like it also uh, changes that whole, like Cypher's whole speech at the end. You yep. know, like, because this, that moment that he has when he's like talking to Trinity and he's like, you know, for a long time, I thought I was in love with you. And it's just, it, it like feels like the self hatred side of being yeah. like you know i thought i wanted to accept myself but actually i just want to be plugged back in and eat some steak like right yeah it's whew, it really kind of just cypher's character is rough oh, i mean yeah. it's like set integral to the story but like it's tough to watch yeah 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 and that's you know that's a side of every trans person coming to their own acceptance that we have to reconcile with that doubt that says, you're not trans. You don't want to be trans, so you don't have to be trans. Go back to pretending to be cis. Everything right. will be fine. The society won't try to kill you then. They won't take your rights away. Everything will be fine. Go back and pretend. And we mm -hmm. do that. We do it so many times until yeah, we can go finally- be a red-blooded American male eating some steak. There's, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is, it's tough too. Like, he, I mean, he has that whole speech where he's just like, I'm tired. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, a, a part of you is like empathetic to that yeah. and you're also like but you're hurting everyone around you and yourself yeah 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 one of the best parts one of my favorite parts of the allegory of the entire franchise um is done in the second and third movie and a little bit in the fourth with the merovingian and i don't want to spoil it too much for you ellie but whenever you watch the sequels and you see him all you need to know is he's neo gone the other way he's mm -hmm. a trans person who rejected his transness and it everything from there on will blow your mind yeah they I use him so good super excited to it's definitely like pretty much every day i will watch a new matrix movie 
<laughs> so I am excited to dive into all of it because, yeah, just even the first one was just such an experience. Like, so cool. And I feel like, well, why, you didn't have, I see them? why didn't I see them earlier? I'm, you I'm have dumb. until June, Ellie. You can watch them all and then we can and read, then the read the book. And then read the book. Yes. There you go. You Super know, the, the original sequels were kind of derided by a lot of the public. I always loved them. Uh, they're kind of held up as not being as good and, and being more confusing. And I think the reason that is, is because they go much deeper into trans issues. And so they are a little more difficult for cis people to understand. They were a little more difficult for me to explain in the books because they're not as straightforward. You have to really mm-hmm. understand what trans existence is like to get them. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I hope you have a good experience with them. I think they're great. I think so. Yeah. I mean, my girlfriend was like, loves all the sequels too. So she's like just waiting. She's like, oh my God, you're going to get to see all of these. So Amazing. it's going to be She has fun. excellent taste. I wish yes. I could watch them with you for the first time. <laughs> I know. It was like, it was definitely ex- an experience. She was, I tend to ask a lot of questions during movies. So she was like, don't ask me any questions. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I will just sit here and live in I won't ask any questions. Just experience. Just, just experience. experience it. Yeah, yeah. I hesitate <laughs> to ask Ellie. Are we? Are we even gonna try to do ships for this I movie? I feel like we should Honestly, it's, I feel like I we shouldn't. I know. It I feel like feel we'd right. just be forcing them. Um, it does the not feel right. The same way that this movie forces romance. Yeah. You know? It's just. So I, I think, think we'll. It's our hundred and fifth, and we're gonna skip that. You know. Okay. We've done it for I'm, many. I'm okay before, with that. But I just don't feel like it's the right. It doesn't feel right. So sorry, listeners, but it does not feel right. We, we covered a lot of ground and anything else is going to be covered in your book. So if if you listeners are like, wait, but you didn't say this, read the book. <laughs> it's going to come out. That means we're ready, Ellie. I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We're going to do our Q&A. We're going to ask you some multiple choice yes or no questions. They're all based on the movie. And we put them on our Twitter for our listeners as well. Q, 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 Q and, 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 and gay. All right. Question number one. Would you take... The A, red pill, or B, blue pill? I already took the red pill. That's an easy <laughs> Amazing. Easy, easy question. I think okay. most of our listeners, that's going to be easy. Although, you know what's ironic is that now, HRT for trans women, the pills are blue. Hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Probably, do you think they changed it because they were like, the red pill guys fucked it up for us, so let's switch it over to blue. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay, question two. What skill would you most want to load into your brain out of A, Kung Fu, B, Helicopter Pilot, C, Languages, or D, Weapons? I think I'd go C. Because I, I had to put a nice non-violent option in there. That's the one I have to pick because I think also not communication between all humans is vital. And it's also a key theme of the movie because you have to be able to communicate with the parts of yourself that know the truth. So... That's the only way that I would go. There you go. Nice. Question number three. Do you believe in A, free will, or B, fate? Or C, a little bit of both? It's definitely both. <laughs> okay, I'll add a C. I'm going to add a C. I'll be both. Yeah, that's the way that, that the movie approaches it, which is interesting because like being trans is fate. You don't get to choose if you are, you are or not. All you get to choose yeah. is whether or not you transition and accept yourself. But being trans, I had no control over that. That was the universe or whatever deities you believe in or you know random chance so there's a little bit of both involved question four tough question who is the queerest character in the matrix out of a neo b trinity c cypher or d switch well oh geez i know this is a hard one 
That's hard when you think about it in terms of, I have to go Trinity. All right, question number five. What is your favorite Matrix movie? A, The Matrix, B, Reloaded, C, Revolutions, or D, Resurrections? D, Resurrections. Nice, the final one. That's your favorite one. Yeah, that surprises the allegory. It does. It completes the story in a way that the third one, the third one has a really beautiful, hopeful ending, but it doesn't complete Neo's journey to Trinity. And the fourth one does. And it has my favorite moment of the entire franchise in it, the final moment of self-acceptance. And it's it's beautiful. It makes me cry every time. I'm so excited to get to it. Love it. Well, Tilly, thank you so much for joining us. This has been lovely. Thank you for having me. You're both so wonderful. Um, let Stop. our listeners know. <laughs> let our listeners know where they can find you uh, and where they'll be able to pick up the book. I don't know if there's a way to like pre-order. Yeah, or you not. can pre-order it right now anywhere you get books from. It's on Barnes and Noble, Amazon, or you can pre-order it at any bookstore. Uh, it's called Begin Transmission: The Trans Allegories of the Matrix. You can find me on Twitter at Tilly Bridges, and if you're interested in the screenwriting, comic writing, game writing, podcast writing, every other kind of writing that I do as a team with my wife, you can find all of our credits and links to our work at birdguest.com. Thank you so much. This was such a great episode. I I feel like I learned a lot. I'm like so happy we got to dive into the matrix. Thank you again for having me. And you know, I just as a last thing I will say is that for folks who maybe aren't sure about the things I'm saying and want, want, want the evidence for it. It's all in the book. There's like so many mountains of evidence. It took me 60,000 words to explain them all. So just check it out. <laughs> I You'll sincerely see. doubt you're going to get a lot of, uh, of you know, pushback from, from, from our, our particular listener listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I bet we will have a lot of interested people. Uh, that's that's what I would bank on. Well, if, if anybody listening has questions, please feel free to hit me up. I will never shut up about these movies. So <laughs> I, if you have questions, ask me and it will make my day. Cool. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let me hear you say hip, 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 hip. We love hearing from all of you and we love continuing to build this community. So we just like to take a chance to shout out some of our favorite things every episode. This week, we want to first shout out user CJ on Instagram who sent us a message saying that they love Ellie's bangs. They look great. And of course, they are correct. Ellie's bangs are looking great. If you haven't seen them yet, make sure you check out. Actually, I don't even know if they're on our Instagram yet. They're, they've been in some reels we've posted. But if you check out Ellie's Instagram, you can catch all sorts of updates on the bang situation. Um, and let us know all of your thoughts as long as they are positive, okay? Also want to shout out a couple of our patrons who had some comments. We got a lot of comments about our episode on Loving Annabelle that went up last week. So we want to highlight some of our patrons, Jacqueline Rose Nishino, who pointed out this is the first lesbian romance movie that she ever saw. And listen, if you are owed reparations again, you can let us know. (laughs) Um, We're here to support you through those times, okay? Also, I want to shout out Maureen, who referenced a book, and I'm, I'm shouting it out just because I hadn't heard of the book, so uh, they pointed out the book The Headmistress by Milena McKay. So I, I have to add the book to my list now, I guess. If anyone knows more about the book, Maureen, hit us up with the details. I can't tell if it's referenced in like a good way or a bad way because I don't know anything about the book. So I'm adding it to my list. I don't know if I should be terrified or not, but it's on there. So that's that's all that's happening now. Okay. 
As always, I want to thank our Lesbian Jesus patrons, Mark Foster, Tanya Ferguson, Alana Rosen, Lizette Stye, Adi Benitez, Fiona W., and Sophia Phillips. And our King Princess patrons, Amy and Ellen, Leah Henley, Andrea Doucette, and Julia Gonzalez. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We could not make it without you. Remember, you can also find us on all the social medias. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Let's Hang Out Pod. You can email us at lesshangoutpod at gmail.com. You can check out our website at lesshangoutpod.com. Whatever app you use for podcasts, make sure you subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes drop. We also have videos going up on our YouTube channel. You can subscribe at youtube.com slash lesshangoutpod to catch those. Let's Hang Out is an independently produced show hosted by us with audio production by me. Our production assistant is Kristen Murison and Twitter shenanigans by Lee Holmes Foster. If you want to help support our little independent team, the first thing you can do is leave us a rating and a review on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. It helps new people find the show. If you want to support us financially, you can join our Patreon at bit.ly slash lespatreon. That also gives you access to all of our bonus episodes, including our most recent episode on Loving Annabelle, featuring our friend Abby Nissenbaum. You are not going to want to miss that one. You can join that at bit.ly slash lespatreon. If you want to get some Les Hangout swag, we have all of our designs and all of our merch in our Tee Public store. You can get those designs on all sorts of stuff. We got tank tops for the summer that is coming up. We got t-shirts. We got sweatshirts if you're still a little chilly. You can find all that at bit.ly slash lesshop. We are an all-weather lesbian shop. And remember, we have a queer production company making queer podcast musicals with guaranteed happy endings. You can find everywhere at Dollar Bean Prod. You can also check out our website, dollarbeanproductions.com. You can listen to all the episodes of our first show, The Flame, on any podcasting app. And if you want to help support us in making more musicals, we are getting through so many recording sessions for our next show, Journey to the Heart. We are so excited for everyone to see what we've been working on. If you want to help support us, you can join our Patreon at bit.ly slash dollarbeanpatreon. If you want to find us individually, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Ellie Brigida. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LSH Foster. With that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And, and let's, let's hang, hang out, out again, again soon. soon. Let's hang